All right, well, welcome to Grace Family Church. Come on, guys, we got a reason to be excited. We made it to a new year. Yeah. And would you help me welcome all of our campuses, starting at our Clearwater campus, South Tampa, Ebor, Temple Terrace, Carrollwood, of course, you guys here at Lutz, Lando Lakes, and everyone joining online. Come on, let's put our hands together for them. And why don't you do this? It's a new year. Turn to the person next to you, say Happy New Year. Shout it out wherever you are. Happy New Year. You couldn't have started your year a better way than here at church. My name is Mark Hutchinson. I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Grace. I lead our college and young adult ministry, as well as some of our family ministry teams here at the Lutz location. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share. I'm really excited about it. And I first want to start out by honoring our lead pastors, Pastor Craig and Pastor Debbie. Come on, church, would you help me honor our pastors? Pastor Craig, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, and I'm so grateful for you guys as you have led Grace Family Church and also had significant impact on me. In fact, a little bit about me, I grew up here at Grace. In fact, I started attending, my family started attending when I was in middle school. We got a picture of me there at the Lutz campus, here at the Lutz campus when I was in high school. Thank God it's pixelated, right? And don't ask about that haircut, but... Not long after that, I would move to Miami, Florida, where I would play college football at a Division I university called Florida International. And not long after getting there, I had felt that God was calling me to something else. It was interesting. I was there playing football, doing something that I had loved so much and given very much of my life to, but I had felt God was calling me to something else. I started serving at a local, uh, local church there in Miami. And what I had realized is I wanted to create that same environment there at my university. I wanted to see young adults find a relationship with Christ. So what I had done, along with some others, I had started a ministry there at FIU through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And what I really wanted to do is get student athletes and young adults all together to find community and build relationships and really understand what their purpose is in God. And I remember not long after that, we started another ministry at the University of Miami. It grew to hundreds of young people coming on a weekly basis. I remember I had said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus for the rest of my life. And I remember I had felt like I was at a crossroads. Here I am, a full-time student athlete playing college football, also wanting to be in full-time ministry. And I'm like, yo, how is this going to work out? God, how is this going to work? So one day I went to my coach, my head football coach, and I go, hey, coach, I feel God's calling me to ministry. I know it doesn't really make sense, but I feel God is calling me into full-time ministry. And he said to my surprise, Mark, I see that call in your life. I see that call in your life, and I wanna honor that calling that God has on your life. And what I wanna do, I want you to forego all of your responsibilities as a football player here, and I want you to stay on scholarship with us so you can finish up school and also focus on ministry. And I remember not long after that, I had gotten a full-time opportunity to join a church doing youth ministry there in Miami. And I really realized God was in that season because the best thing happened to me. I met my beautiful wife, Michelle, there in Miami not long after that. We've got a picture of us there on the screen. There's my beautiful wife, Michelle, and our little dog, Maverick. And uh, we're actually going into the third year of marriage this year. We're getting ready to celebrate year three. And I'm so excited for year three of marriage, but I'm really excited because in 2022, Michelle and I are expecting our first baby. Yeah. 
I am so excited. Some of you are like, you say that now till you have to deal with dirty diapers. Well, I'm excited for dirty diapers, right? Nasal aspirators like Pastor House spoke about. I'm excited for all of it that comes with that new season of growing into a family. But really, we're not only excited for our marriage and what God is getting ready to do in our family. I'm really excited for what God is getting ready to do here at Grace Family Church in 2022. You see, I believe each and every one of us, God has and holds significant things ahead of each and every one of us in the year 2022. And today, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about some practical steps that I believe we can all take in the new year to take hold of what God has ahead of us. And I want to look at the book of Philippians. Here's what we know. This is a man by the name of Paul. He's an apostle. He's the author of the book of Philippians. He's writing to a church in Philippi, a group of people who have started a church there in Philippi. And as Paul is writing to them, what's interesting, many people would call this the happiest book in the Bible or the joyful book in the Bible. What's interesting, Paul isn't really in a joyful place. You see, I think many people call it that because he has this ongoing theme of finding joy and considering all things joy despite difficulty in life. But Paul, he's kind of using language that's interesting because he's kind of writing like he's chilling in paradise, right? He's got his feet in the sand. It's like a Corona Lime commercial that we always see, like Ray-Ban's on, his sun hat, he's chilling. But the interesting thing about it is Paul isn't writing from the most joyful place on the planet. He's actually writing while stuck in prison. He's writing while stuck in a jail cell. In Philippians 3, Paul explains, despite what he's facing in the moment, despite the fact that he's stuck in prison, he's making a decision to intentionally move towards and take hold of everything that God has for him in this life. It says this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. It's Paul writing. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, or in other words, everything that God has for me, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on. Everybody say press on. Come on at all of our campuses, say press on. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, what Paul is saying is he knows God has great things ahead of him. He believes God has great things ahead of him, although he's facing difficulty and he's in this holding place of a prison. He believes that God has great things ahead of him. Because he believes that, he's going to continue to move towards it uh, despite what he's facing. And what I know about this is, I believe many of us, like Paul, we want to experience everything that God has for us, especially in the new year, right? We want to experience everything that God holds ahead of us in the new year. But what I know to be true, many of us, we have some things that have kept us stuck. Many of us have some things in our lives that are keeping us stuck in 2021. Some of us are still stuck in the loss of 2020. Some of us are stuck in the year where we may have lost a job, right? may have lost a source of income, maybe you lost your house, maybe you lost some hope. Maybe for you, you lost a loved one, but what I know to be true is we can't focus on what God has for us in the present if we're stuck dwelling on the past. We can't take hold of what God has for us in the present in 2022 if all we are doing is dwelling on the past. So today, here's what I wanna do. I wanna leave us with a few practical ways I believe we can take hold of what God has for us in the new year. And the first way I believe we can do that is this leaving some things in our past. If we're gonna take hold of what God has for us in the new year, I believe 
We've gotta leave some things behind us. And I love what Paul says in verse 13. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I know some of you are sitting here hearing this and you're saying, Mark, I can't forget the past. I can't forget what had happened in 2021. I can't forget what happened years ago. I can't just allow that stuff to escape my memory. But I love what Tony Evans has to say about forgetting the past, because he says this, it says, it's not that the past escapes our memory, it's that we don't allow the past to be a controlling factor in the present or in our future. You see, what Paul is saying is he's making an intentional decision to leave his past behind him. You see, if you don't know anything about Paul, before God gave him this new identity and this new name, Paul, he was actually a man who went by the name Saul. And what we know about Saul is he was a terrible man. You see, Saul was known as a man who would go into Christian gatherings. He would persecute Christians. He would throw them out into the city streets. He'd have them beaten and flogged, harassed, thrown into prison, some even murdered and killed. But I believe some of us hear this about Paul or Saul, and we still have this notion, we still have this idea in our minds that God can't use us or transform us. But I wanna remind you today, if God could transform Saul, he can transform you. You're not too far gone. So what, you may have made a few mistakes, but it doesn't overlook the mercy and grace of God. He's after you, and he wants to use you and transform your life as well. You see, to take hold of what God has ahead of us in 2022, not only must we make a decision to leave behind some of our past failures or our disappointments in life, many of us, we need to make a decision to leave behind some past hurts. Some of us need to make a decision today to say, you know, I'm gonna leave behind some baggage that I have in my life. And I think that many of us, we don't realize we've been carrying our baggage far too long. We've been carrying our baggage far, far too long. I remember when my wife and I, Michelle, when we were uh, recently married, we we're getting ready to go on our honeymoon. We're headed to the airport. We're so excited about our trip. We're looking forward to going on this vacation and we're really looking forward to it as we were just newlyweds at the time. And we get to the airport and the fun part is always this, when you gotta check in your baggage, right? So we go over to the baggage check-in and we're checking in all of our bags and we go over to the teller, we give her our bags and she's putting the tags on them and she looks at me, she says, okay, sir, that's gonna be $360. I'm like, man, I've already paid for our tickets though. <laughs> and she's like, no, sir, that's for your baggage. I'm like, oh, wait a second. And she points at this little sign next to her. How many of you know Spirit and Allegiant, they have baggage fees for just about everything, right? Like anybody in the room or anybody online, like you guys go away for a week and you pack as if you're going away for a year. Like that's one of us in our marriage. I'm not gonna say who it is, but in this moment, like literally I remember, I'm like, Michelle, this is the first of many big decisions we're gonna make in our marriage. Look, either we take out a small loan to pay for this, right? My dad would have been like, yo, we aren't going on this trip. We're going home. We don't go on this trip, Michelle or we throw on all of our clothing until our bags meet the standard requirement. <laughs> I remember in front of everyone, we stop right there at the airport. I'm yanking out my swim trunks, throwing them on, putting on jeans, putting on sweatpants. I got like five layers of clothing on me. And literally like, she finally takes our bags and I remember like waddling over to our terminal. We get on the flight. The whole way I'm sweating to death on the flight most miserable experience of my life. I couldn't wait to get off the plane and arrive at the destination, but I share that story because I believe that many of us, 
We need to make a decision today to leave behind some things that have cost us far too much. I believe some of us need to make a decision to leave behind some things that have cost us our joy, cost us our freedom, cost us our happiness, cost us experiencing the life that I believe God is calling each and every one of us to. You see, in order for us to leave some things behind, we need to make the decision today. We need to say, okay, the ball is in my court. What I need to do, I need to forgive that person that hurt me. I need to forgive that person that betrayed me, that lied to me, that backstabbed me, that, that really put me in a position of pain. Maybe for you, you need to take that step and seek some counsel to navigate through the hurt. Maybe you need to seek some professional advice to navigate through the pain of the past because I believe if we don't deal with the pain of the past, we'll miss out on what God wants to do in the present. And just like my journey and just like my trip with my wife, you see, it took a little bit of discomfort. It was kind of discouraging. It was kind of a nasty experience there as we got to our destination. We were sweating to death. It caused us to miss out on the beauty of the trip. And I believe we will miss out on the beauty of what God wants to do in the present if we don't deal with the pain of the past. We'll miss out on the beauty of what God wants to do. And I know this, God is ready to do a new thing in 2022. In each and every one of our lives, God's ready to do a new thing in 2022. We've all heard this verse, and many of us have heard this verse in Isaiah 43, verse 19. I'm ready to do a new thing. God would speak through the prophet Isaiah. But what we don't do is acknowledge the first verse in verse 18 that says this, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm ready to do a new thing. You see, there's a new thing God is ready to do. But the question is, will you be so distracted that you miss out on what God wants to do in the present? Even in my own life, I had to navigate through this. I had to work through this. Think about when Michelle and I first got married or even up to this past year, I hadn't met half of my wife's side of the family because of some differences. Obviously with me being African-American and my wife being Hispanic, her family really couldn't get behind that. There were some differences and they refused to be a part of our marriage. And I remember, thank God, we finally met this past year, but I remember going and showing up to that meal where we all sat around the table and it was so hard for me to be present and in the moment because of the pain of the past. And the truth is, I had thought I was done and past what had happened, but it was still plaguing me, and it still was bothering me and eating me alive. And I share that because some of us will say, you know, I'm past the problem, or I'm past the person. That thing's behind me. The hurt is behind me. But the truth is, if, if, the truth is this. If the problem is in the past, but there's pain in the present, that's a sign we still have some work to do. You see, if the problem is in the past, but there's pain in the present, that's a sign we still have some work to do. And I believe when we get past the things of the past, we'll be able to really take hold of what God wants to do in the present. And one of the most important things I think we can do when we're focused on the present, when we put aside the past, is set some goals for the present. I wanna be practical here because I think goal setting is very, very powerful. It's a powerful tool. And when I look at the life of Paul, Paul had a goal in mind all throughout his life. It says this in verse 13 and 14. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, if we wanna take hold of what God has for us, we gotta be willing to set goals for the present. In every season of Paul's life, he had a goal. When he was locked in prison, Paul had a goal to minister to prisoners, to bring hope to prisoners. 
when Paul was in prison, in fact, he was on a journey of writing encouraging letters to all of the churches. In fact, we're reading one of them right now. Not only that, when Paul was out of prison, one of his goals were to go to different groups of Christians and encourage them, inspire them, serve them, help them grow in their leadership as they led these churches. Paul had some goals in front of him. And I know as I talk about goal setting, some of you will sit here and you'll say, well, I've got a New Year's resolution. The infamous New Year's resolution, right? But what's interesting about New Year's resolutions is there's, there's a statistic that says 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by the second week of February. I think that's interesting. 80%, that's pretty high, right? By the second week of February, they happen to fail. And I think there, there's a reason why. This is probably a part that you want to write down or maybe look up later on because I think New Year's resolutions fail because they're not smart. And I'm going to give you an acronym. You see that S stands for specific. I think oftentimes they're not specific. They're not measurable. Oftentimes we don't invite people in to hold us accountable. Oftentimes they're not relevant to the season of life we're in, right? We set a goal, you know, I want to ride a 5K every single week. You just had a baby two weeks ago. Like... Now, that's not relevant. It's not possible. Oftentimes, they're not time-bound. And you can look it up. There's a whole bunch of different things that you can look, up, look into when it comes to setting SMART goals. But oftentimes, our New Year's resolutions, what they become is statements of intentions, statements of intent. I remember uh, a couple years ago, I had told myself going into the New Year, I created this New Year's resolution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in shape. I'm going to get in shape this year, whatever that means, right? I remember the following day, there I find myself on my couch with a family-sized bag of Doritos just stuffing my face as if they're kale chips. <laughs> and then after that, I'm like, okay, I gotta I got get a little more specific. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds by the end of the year. A year later, I'm 20 pounds heavier than I started. Right, they're just statements of intentions. We throw out these statements of intent, and I think that many of us what we do is we set these personal goals. Many of us who like to exercise will say, you know, I wanna get stronger in 2022. I wanna up my bench press or up my back squat. I wanna get stronger. I wanna be able to lift more weight in 2022. Some of us will say, you know, I wanna save more money. I wanna be a better steward of my finances. I wanna save more money. I wanna be able to, you know, maybe stop going out to eat as much. But what's so interesting is we set all of these personal goals and financial goals, and what we're so quick to do is sideline the one who truly provides for us, gives us strength, and sustains our lives. You see, I think going into the new year, not only is it important that we have some personal goals, financial goals, I think it's important that we have some spiritual goals. I think it's imperative that we have some spiritual goals. And I wanna to talk to the young adults in the room and the students. You see, I think going into the new year, students and young adults, I think it's so important that you focus on what God has for you more so than you focus on who God has for you. You see, yeah, it's important to understand who God has for us, but when I look at Genesis chapter one, God gave Adam his purpose before he gave him an additional person. I think it's important that we focus on what God has ahead of us. And most importantly, I think it's important that we set goals that ultimately help us become stronger followers of Jesus. And to be practical, for you that might look like spending more time with your family as a dad, 
Maybe that means, you know, spending more time with your wife as a, you know, husband. I don't know what that looks like in your house, but I think that all of us should overall, we should have some goals that point us to become better followers of Jesus, whether that's being a better student, spouse, right? Being a better leader, being a person of integrity in our workplace. All of us should have that. And most importantly, maybe for you, this is the year in 2022 where you say, you know what? I'm gonna take a step of faith. I'm gonna grow in my relationship with Christ. I'm gonna set a goal around spending more time with God. I'm gonna learn how I can be more consistent in spending time with God or growing in my relationship, maybe showing up to church more consistently. Maybe for you, this is the year where you take a step and you say, I'm gonna get connected to community. I'm gonna find a community for me. One of our values here at Grace is live in community. Maybe this is the season or the year that you say, you know what? I'm gonna attend beautiful conference. You know, maybe I'm gonna attend courageous. Maybe for you, you need to take a step of faith and you say, you tell yourself, you know, I'm gonna start serving on a team. I'm gonna start serving on campus safety or maybe connections. Maybe one of our children's ministry areas, our youth ministry, maybe AV. I'm gonna take a a step of faith and I'm going to sign up to serve on a team this year. And not only maybe you, but maybe you bring your family with you to be a part of that journey. So I think that it's important that we set goals for the present and that we take these spiritual goals really at hand. And when we do that, I think that all of our spiritual goals ultimately will help us focus on what matters most and who matters most. And you see, all of Paul's life, that's what he did. He set goals that help him focus on Jesus. You see, I believe that if we wanna take hold of what God has ahead of us, we need to fix our focus on Jesus. We gotta really fix our focus on Jesus. Don't let this year pass you by. Set some spiritual goals that will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. I love what verse 14 says in Philippians 3. Paul says this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yes, Paul was focused on what God was calling him to, but what I really wanna unpack is that phrase that he used, press on. Because when you look at that phrase, press on, what you realize is Paul was, yes, he was focused on what God had ahead of him, but what he's communicating is there was some opposition that he was facing as he was moving towards what God was calling him to. There was some challenge. There was some difficulty. There was some opposition. There was some discomfort as he was moving towards what God was calling him to. And what I don't want you to get from my message today is that if I take these three steps in 2022, it's smooth sailing. I don't want you to get that at all. In fact, I believe as followers of Jesus, we should all understand we're either going into a season of discomfort or challenge or adversity, we're coming out of a season of discomfort, challenge or adversity, or we're preparing for one. And you see, Paul, in every single season with whatever he was facing, he really fixed his focus on Christ. He pressed on and moved towards him. And I wanna share with you a moment in my life where it was extremely difficult for me to fix my focus on Jesus in the midst of challenge and difficulty in it. Started about 10 years ago. I remember when my sister was 15 years ago, she was, or 15 uh, years old, excuse me, and she was diagnosed with kidney failure. And I remember this was a difficult season for my family. My sister would be put on a transplant list and. I remember we would go back and forth from the hospital for my sister's checkups and my sister was put on that transplant list and in the interim, 
She was on uh, at-home dialysis treatments. She was doing dialysis treatments at home. And finally, after a year of that difficulty and that challenge, she would receive a match. She got her transplant, the kidney that she had needed. Fast forward to 10 years later, which was three years ago from just about this day. I remember my wife and I, we were recently married and we're at home and we're getting adjusted and acclimated to the new rhythms of being newlyweds. And I remember my mom calls me and she says, hey, Mark, your sister, she was, she was admitted into the hospital again. And at this point, she has end-stage kidney renal failure or renal kidney failure. And I remember in that moment, all of the emotions, all of the whys, all of the God, how could you? God, what are you doing? God, why is this happening to my sister? Hit me. I remember it became so difficult for me to believe that God could be in the midst of this season. You see, it was a little bit different than the first time because now at this moment, my mom would be a single mom. She was working a full-time job. She would serve as my sister's full-time caregiver. At this time, I'm living all the way in Miami. I can't be much or of any support at the time. And on top of that, a year later, COVID hits. And we're hearing about the craze of COVID and I'm thinking my sister is at high risk. She's gotta be homebound. This isn't looking good. And I was living in a, in a state of fear, if I'm being transparent. I was so fearful of what could take place in that moment. And I remember it turned into this three year journey of my sister being in and out of the hospital, my mom having to carry large boxes of fluids up the stairs to put my sister on her machine at night for her treatments. I remember it was just the most overwhelming season emotionally for me. And I'm sitting there saying, God, how could you be in this? And finally, at one point, they call my family in the middle of the night and they tell them, you know, we have a match for, your, for Brittany. We found a match. And I remember my mom told me that they ran to the hospital. And several hours later, they would only tell my sister that kidney was a better match for someone else. And yet again, I'm sitting here saying, God, how could you be doing this? God, what are you doing in the midst of this moment? And I remember my wife comes to me and she goes, Mark, you've preached the sermons. You've shared with so many people. You tell everyone all the time, fix your, fo fix your focus on Jesus in the midst of trial and adversity. Now's the time for you to live it out. And I remember not long after that, finally my sister had received the kidney that she needed. And I remember God had reminded me, despite what's going on around you, never forget I'm always doing something new within you. And I realized that in that moment, God was stirring up my faith. God was building our faith as a family. You see, it's in those moments when things get challenging, when there's some opposition, whether it's with our health, our family, a relationship, our career, our finances, whatever that looks like, it's a moment for us to realize God is building our faith and we should press on and press into Jesus because we know he's in control. We know he's in control. And I was reminded what Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I have told you all of this so that in me you may have peace. Here on earth you may have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, it's in the challenging moments that life throws at us. We can hold on to the hope that only Jesus brings. 
We can hold on to the hope that Jesus provides. Why? Because we know he's in control. We can believe that he is in, in control. And not only that, as followers of Jesus, our circumstances can never dictate the goodness of God. The challenge that we're facing can never dictate the goodness of God because here's what we know. God isn't only good for what he can do. God is good for what he's already done. And you know, when we first started service at all of our locations and here at Lutz, we sang this song, thank you Jesus for the blood applied. That's the perfect way to explain what God had done for each and every one of us. You see, each and every one of us, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter three, verse 23, all of us have sinned myself included, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us in sin, it's our hangups. It's the mistakes that we have made in the past. It's the wrongdoing. It's our failures. It's our disappointments. The shame that we hold, that's our sin. And sin separated us from God. But the Bible tells us God who is rich in his love and his mercy, because he loved you and me so much, he made a way so that we could have relationship with him again. And the way he did that was by sending his one and only perfect son who made himself obedient to death on a cross so we could have relationship with God again. And maybe you're here and you're hearing that for the first time. I want you to know he did that for you. He did that for you. He did that knowing you would walk into this space discouraged. He did that knowing you would walk into this space with doubt. He did it for you and for me. And what I love about this text in Philippians 3, that was Paul's whole focus. Not only was he focused on taking hold of the great things God had for him here on earth, he was focused on taking hold of heaven and what God had for him for eternity. You know, maybe you're here and you're hearing this truth today. It's called the good news, the gospel. I want you to know Jesus died on a cross, yes, for your sin, but he died so you could leave behind your past so you could have hope for your present and you can have an eternal promise for your future. So you could have eternal life for your future where you'll be able to live in relationship with God and others forever. And today, maybe you're here and you're saying, I want that relationship. I want that new beginning. I wanna be able to leave behind my past. I wanna be able to be confident and have hope in the present. I wanna be able to live for eternity. I want you to know God wants that for you. And today you can receive that free gift today. So at all of our campuses, with every head bowed, if you're saying that's me, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. All you gotta do is repeat this simple prayer after me. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, at all of our campuses and online, if that's you and you're saying, I want that relationship today, would you say this prayer? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I know I've sinned against you. Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to live a life that's pleasing to you. From this day forward, the old behind me, the new in front of me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, today at all of our campuses and online, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that's your first step in your relationship with God. That's the best decision 
that you could make. But right now in this moment, I'm gonna ask all of our campus pastors to come on up to the front and they're gonna point you to your next step. So as our campus pastors are coming up at all of our locations, come on, let's just encourage those that made that new decision today.